This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the MQ1 Podcast. A bit of a different one this week for us. Uh, technically two episodes, so you're being treated uh, this a bit late on this Easter, late least Easter weekend. Uh, so yeah, this episode you're listening to now, obviously we'll recap Easter, recap the Pompey, uh, Derby, and look ahead to Cheltenham. And then on Monday, um, we'll do a bit about the accounts, which Joe is kindly going to lead. And then obviously I will lead the, the Cheltenham preview ahead of Tuesday night. So... Yeah, we're, we're cramming we're cramming the games in, we're cramming in the episodes in, um, and yeah, it's it's good fun. But uh, Joe, how are you doing, mate? You've just caught me mid dinner there, Liam. But oh. Yeah, I'm absolutely fantastic. Thank you for that. All good. I catch it the best times as always, mate. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately, it's only us two tonight. Um, Ross couldn't make it just to work commitments. Um, yeah, to be fair to him, I think he's gonna take it a bit here and there in terms of the rest of the season if he wants to jump on the pod um it's completely understandable too fair to him it's been a very tough season um i think we're all feeling it a bit in terms of how we played this year um but yeah i mean obviously he's very he's well obviously you see and you'll still see him at home in away games um so yeah hopefully he can come back in the podcast soon right then joe uh obviously two games to look at let's start with pompey uh on, on good friday um i think i'll start with the three word reviews because that's how we always start um, a good one from from Baz here. Practice set pieces. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, a certain tonight Watson should also practice some man marking as well. Um, Chris said entertaining, tense, and frustrating. Yeah, another good description. Um, I think MK Don's games have been pretty entertaining so far uh, since uh, Mike Jackson has taken over. Uh, and the JT of the Podding World, uh, John Taylor, said uh, it's a good game that. And yeah, it was a good game overall. To be fair. Um, bit of a shame that Don's couldn't get the three points. Um, but again, we'll talk about whether it was a point gained or two dropped shortly. But in terms of the actual game, um, yeah, a, a frustrating one overall. Obviously, going going behind to an, another set piece uh, after what we saw at Wickham and obviously after hearing Jackson saying that the team worked on it is, to call it frustrating, it is an understatement. I, I was said, I said to Joe as soon as that goal went in, it's the same we saw last week. This is exactly the same. Um, back post, no one marking um, the Pompey player at the back post. And 
essentially a good finish to be fair, but essentially a tap in. Um, bit of blame. Whilst it is a team game, I think Tony Watson has a lot to answer that, that goal in terms of his, his marking. But I think when you look at screenshots, the whole defence isn't particularly great in terms of their positioning overall. Um, and yeah, one nil down. Then obviously the big incident happens where Joe Morrell um, decides to have a little bite back at Dan Harvey and gets a straight red. Um, was it a red card? I mean, I don't know for sure. I, I would lean towards no. Uh, and I'll, I'll get Joe's thoughts on that in a second. But obviously, Don's capitalised on that in the second half. Uh, I've, I've sort of scrambled in the box, sort of forced to, you know, Mo Weiser, and he scores goals for a reason. He plays games every week for a reason. He tucks it under the Pompey keeper, Matt Macy, to make it 1-0. Um, that's how the game finishes. Obviously, for me, I leading to the next point, was it a point gained or two dropped? For me, I think it's a point gained. I didn't feel we did enough in the game, despite some chances, like Dan Harvey, for example, being pretty much cleared off the line, um, to deserve to win the game. So I can't say we dropped two points because if I don't feel we deserve to win the game, then I, I literally cannot say that. Uh, but Joe, what do you reckon? Overall thoughts and is it a point gained for you or is it two dropped? Yeah, I've got um, my, my three-word review. I've got a three-word review for the weekend as a whole. And for me, it's turn in a corner. I feel like we've, we're seeing an MK Dons 2.0 sort of. Um, this. It's, I think that the last basically six games has been a completely different team in identity, uh, in what the manager's trying to do. Uh, than we've pretty much seen in the whole season. Uh, we're much more on the back foot a lot of the time, but it's comfortable. It's manageable. And I think overall, I would say it was a point gained. I think what maybe made, made it seem less of a point was perhaps the results around us. And that's with Accrington winning and Walk, uh, no, not Walkham, Cambridge winning, wasn't it? Cambridge winning. So, yeah, I think that that maybe dampens it. And also the fact that they were down to 10 men. Um, was it a red card? <laughs> I mean, maybe by the letter of the law, but Dan, I mean, for those that haven't seen it, Dan Harvey essentially pulls Joe Morrell down in a headlock. What can only be described as like a headlock slam. It was something out of WWE. Um, Dan Harvey then gets, I think Dan Harvey gets booked for that. But anyway, Portsmouth definitely get the free kick. And um, as, as they're getting up, uh, Morrell goes back in and he just leans ahead in and pushes ahead into Harvey, who then goes down like he's been shot. Um, it's one of them where you kind of take it, but if it was the other way around, I would be absolutely fuming. And so, yeah, I can see why it has been given, but also if it hadn't been given, I would have been pretty much okay with that because none of us actually knew what it'd been given for in the first place, did we, Lou? Um, but yeah, overall, I think. Portsmouth were the better team, um, but I think Portsmouth, their biggest mistake was coming out in the second half and actually sitting behind the ball because that was, you know, the period of game where for about 20 minutes, we were brilliant. We penned them in. We were putting ball after ball into the box. Um, we scored from a short corner, by the way, guys. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, if, if there's a klaxon for this or not. It's actually funny enough, we scored a, a short corner in the reverse fixture. Do you remember when Conor Grant whipped the ball in? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I know people, you know, they hate the short corners. I'll tell you what I hate, Josh McGoma, uh, Paris McGoma short shooting from outside the box. Oh, that was... Honestly. <laughs> that was... I don't think one of them actually got, like, didn't get blocked. I think every single one just got blocked. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Three sh- uh, shots blocked, and one was yeah, well, the one that did it was off target. So great showing mm. from Paris there in terms of front of goal. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we'll stick. But then again, if you've got Joshua McEachran there, he doesn't even shoot, does he? So, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, overall, I thought you know when actually we scored the goal and Portsmouth were like, well, crap, we haven't got a win now, we need to actually go for it. You know, Portsmouth, they they would probably feel themselves unlucky that they didn't go and nick it, especially at the end with um, Joe Piggott, of all people, hitting the crossbar. It very easily could have been three points for Portsmouth there. Um, and I think that, you know, under Massinho, they have been one of the top, what, four, four teams in the league, maybe, of their form in the last sort of three months. There's not been many, many teams better than them. I think they've averaged over two points per game, which is literally for promotion form for the best part of a quarter of the season. So I think it's one of them games where we take the point and just move on. And I mean, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about in particular from that game, Liam? Yeah, I just saying, you're saying on Joe Massinho point. Yes, yeah, so he's he's basically every, so for every game, he's 1.78 points, which uh, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, and that's nine wins, five draws and only four losses. So yeah, that that's definitely a playoff team for sure there. And, I was saying to um, several people that, you know, if Portsmouth could actually just put away some games, like the Morgan game on Monday, for example, they'd be with Ipswich and, and the Barnsley's of the world easily, easily this season, definitely got the squad for it. They just haven't put the results together. And it's, it's a, it, this game on, on Friday was a perfect example of that. They just can't finish teams off. And that's ultimately just, why they've gone. To, just too, too reliant on um, Colby Bishop, I think. From what I watched, you know, Owen Dale was lively, but he didn't actually threatened did he yeah i mean i don't know what maybe how you saw the game yeah i didn't see much threat from many ports of players and of course when you're left back scoring the goal admittedly it was a good overlap but that kind of gives you summary of the game and yeah i think their front line really struggled against particularly when the red card happened of course and they were sitting back all the time i think from don's perspective obviously jmc again i know wax lyrical but he had an unbelievable game this i think this is the jmc we've been waiting for all season um, and I mean, you always talk about his, his passing and his, his duels, but again, 98% pass completion on 86 passes and six ground duels, one out of six. Um, and that's not including four tackles also. So, yeah, an incredible performance. Um, can't remember if he got man of match or not. I think Jack Tucker might have got it, actually. Um, but again, he's my, yeah, man, he's match. Yeah, my, my man of match for sure, JMC. Um, absolutely fantastic once again. And uh, another shout out for someone that, you know, he's had a bit of a quiet few games. Um, Mo Issa, that was an incredible finish on this turn. Like he didn't even know where the goal was. <laughs> well, I mean, he knew where it was, but he he, he just turned and hit it first time. Um, and I thought he got he got he put himself about as well. He was fouled three times. He committed two fouls himself. He, he really worked hard, and I'm glad he could get the, that goal. And you saw how happy he was um, when he did score it. So yeah, just fair play to Mo, just plugging away. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think everyone else was pretty solid enough, weren't they? Tucker, as you said, he, he was almost sweeping it up at the back all the time. And actually, oh, actually, yeah, there was a f- two or three times where <laughs> we were a bit, uh, I don't know what to call it, uh, exuberant with our for- forays forward <laughs> towards yeah. the end of the game. And um, we nearly got done on the counter-attack. And Tucker, he made two, I think maybe two, like last ditch tackles that I thought bloody Nora, that's like he's done really well there. Um so yeah, really, really good good from him. Just did what he needed to do, just no fuss about it. And he actually nearly scored. I don't know if you remember, he nearly scored from about 30 yards as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think half wide, the people that were slagging him off 
yeah, half the people are slagging off in the first half season. I don't know what they would have done if if he'd scored that one. But it would have been like me with Bradley Johnson refusing to celebrate any of the goals he scored. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you're completely right on my I mean, Jonathan said he Mo needed that. And you could tell after he said, you know, you're smiling and I want he scored and he's loving it. So yeah, definitely a massive goal for him. And uh, hopefully he can continue that heading into the rest of the season. Right. If, if we didn't think that we deserved to beat Pompey, then we definitely did not deserve to get a point against Derby. My God, um, what a game this was. There's um, been a robbery. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, I think Rob put it quite nicely in his, his free review, snatch and grab. Um, Fraser said, pick Derby's pocket. Um, and a, a note to the uh, 959 away fans that went to Pride Park on a Monday from Finn saying it was a great for the atmosphere and it was to be fair I didn't know what to expect from the Don's fans heading down to the game but to be fair we turned up on our numbers and I thought we gave a pretty good account for ourselves overall but yeah I mean on to the game I mean wow I don't know what to say um, the referee yeah um, he was something else I, think, I don't know how he didn't give some decisions that he should have gave um, but the stats kind of give you a really good sort of story of how the game went. You know, Derby having 63% of the ball, 29 shots, eight on target. Um, and of course, they take the lead through David McGoldrick. A um, bit of a scramble in the box, what I remember. Um, and then it was, uh, you know, he was always due to score. I was saying on the Derby podcast that he's going to score in this game. He's due a hat-trick. Luckily, he didn't get a hat-trick, but he got the one goal. And bit many Dons fans more was that enough? We didn't see much in the first half from the team that kind of wowed us. Obviously, the front line was struggling, uh, particularly Leko and Isa, um, in terms of linking up play. And obviously, Mo is, um, when he's not scoring goals, he's offside, uh, bless him. But for the second half, we, uh, I don't know what, I don't know you think second half, I don't know if anything much changed for me, but what did change was that the pressing was a bit more like we're used to having it in terms of it's a bit more sporadic and a bit more dispersedy. And of course, the goal is actually a very worse a 16 pass play goal uh, that goes from, uh, I think it's Jamie coming straight to Henry Lawrence on the wing, who becomes some, a bit like the Ogilvy goal from uh, the previous game, overlaps, uh, comes into the box and sticks in the top corner for his first senior goal. And Don's um, somehow hold on to the points, or the point, I should say, sorry. Um, some miraculous defending at the end of the game, a fantastic performance from Jamie Cumming, as I know a few of you mentioned. And a huge point that doesn't gain us any advantage on the likes of Accrington and Oxford. I think we also picked up a point each on the day, but maybe Accrington lost. But overall, it was a massive point regardless, Joe. Yeah, absolutely it was. And um, first half, I, I actually thought was really, really... I was really disappointed with the first half. And I thought it was only a matter of time before they got that second goal. I mean, they did hit the post shortly after the, go- the goal, I think. Yeah. But um, it was all you know. They were they look, look. To be fair to them, you know, you look at the lineup and it is a joke. They got Jason Knight, Corey Smith, Connor Hurahans to start in the midfield. Um, Aaron Cashin, I wouldn't be surprised if he is in the championship or maybe even signed by a Premier League club because that young lad, I think he's nineteen or something. Yeah, no, he's incredible. He's an incredible player. He genuinely probably one of the best centre backs I've seen this season, and he's probably one of the youngest as well. Um, especially, you know, centre-back a position where you rarely see young players really thrive there. He was very, very good, especially on the ball. Um, and I think that they, they they were really dangerous first half. And second half, they I know they had plenty of shots, but, they, I mean, it, t- it shows in the XG, they weren't that dangerous with it. And I think they were almost trying to rush it. They were almost just pumping the ball in, 
rather than trying to work a chance. They were just trying to force the issue. And I think that especially came when we scored our goal. And our goal was, you know, it was a, a passage of play, actually, which I didn't realise at the time. You know, it was 16 passes. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, OK, we did go back a few times, but I think it just shows that we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. But then there was a, a couple of one-twos, and all of a sudden we were in. And it's actually funny as well because Holland had to chase the ball from tonight because it was so crap through. <laughs> and then, but but then you know Holland does what we've not seen him do all season really, and it was deliver you know the, deliver a perfect ball and Henry Lawrence busting a gut to get in the box. We've not really seen our full, but you know Harvey he scored three and assisted three this season. But from that right hand side, we've not seen tonight or. Lawrence really posed any threat going forward. Um, I think between them, their goals and assists must be combined, must be lower than what Harvey's got. Um, so yeah, I think you know the goal was actually really, really well worked. Um, like it was, it was like a goal that you maybe would have seen in the COVID season under Russ when we were at our prime, you know, playing the that sort of football. And I think as well, you know, we kind of, as I said, I think. That goal then forced Derby to start brushing things, and they they were just almost just lumping the ball into the box. Um, they they completed fifteen crosses, but I think it was one of them where we were, we were quite comfortable to deal with that. I mean, Liam, I don't know if you've got the tweet up that the the club tweeted out um, about the defensive statistics because some of the some of the efforts from the players was absolutely sublime, wasn't it? Yeah, that tweet, I mean, let I me mean, go from one by one. So Anthony Stewart, two block shots, eight clearances. Tanai Watson, um, same stats, one one and seven. Uh, Lewington was four block shots for three clearances. And then, yeah, as mentioned, Jamie Cumming uh, was, for me, easily man of the match on, on Monday against Derby with seven saves, six of those in the box, um, and two punches and three clearances, which is... Uh, and I, I thought even the wingbacks actually, obviously Jack Jules winning nine jewels and Henry Lawrence, of course, as well as his goal, getting um, six clearances, interceptions combined. So, yeah, a massive defensive performance and one of the best of the season, I think, if not the best. I mean, I think we, we I, I didn't mention my three word review specifically for the Derby game, <laughs> um, but if I had one, it would have been Zach the shithouse. Um, <laughs> Uh, moment of the game for me, moment of the weekend for me, I think would be, was um, towards the latter stages of the game, um, the Derby fans were getting a little bit frustrated, I think it was fair to say, after seeing three penalty claims waved away. Um, I don't know if any, I don't know if all of them were penalties, but I'd say one of them was a very strong possibility. Yeah, anyway, yeah. The handball one for me. Um, but uh, Zach Jules, who... Derby fans would maybe have you believe that uh, he fouled one of their players and should should have conceded a penalty. Um, he proceeded to be injured, and as the physio was called onto the pitch, uh, Zach Jules decided to then roll onto the pitch, ensuring that the game couldn't restart. Um, upon which, seven minutes of added time were then um, put onto the board. Which, uh, yeah, I think uh, the referee kind of knew what we were doing throughout the game, but just the reaction from the Derby fans as Zach Jules just crawls or rolls back onto the pitch for me was the moment of the weekend. Yeah, I think if that's the uh, the last thing that Zach Jules does for the club in terms of like significant sense of performances, I think he's uh, he's well out in that keep and, and you know, again, he's part of a fantastic defence who 
did a fantastic job um, on the on the Easter Monday. Really showed that solidarity that we haven't seen a lot of this season um, in those performances. But yeah, a, a massive point. Um, again, it gets us one step closer to hopefully being in League One next season. And um, yeah, obviously we've got some big games coming up that I want to chat about later. Just a final note on the on the defence. Um, Watson looks so much better at right centre back. And it's funny because Mark Jackson specifically was saying about how, you know, oh, he's going to be, you know, was able to get back to his wing-back position against Portsmouth. He is so much better as a right centre-back because he, I think because he comes from deeper and he's, and he's able to charge. But, like, defensively, he is pretty good. And <clears throat> I've seen, we've seen it in, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe three games now. He's been absolutely fantastic at that right centre-back role, especially as, you know, he can do the overlap if needed with Lawrence or maybe if Kai Kai is out there. So, yeah, just wanted to note that. And also Stuart, you know, he wasn't his ball-playing abilities weren't really needed today, let's be fair. He's had, what, three games back after a quite significant injury that kept him out for two months and he's playing in the middle of a back three for the first time with players that he's played less than five games with and his head was like a magnet. Maybe he might have had one hidden and then, I don't know, the, the dreads or whatever it is. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, absolutely fantastic commanding performance from him and um, yeah, good on him. Yeah, I think with Watson, it's just a case of being seen more on the pitch when he's at right centre-back. Obviously, wing-back, he's just been asked to bomb up there, create space, get other players into the game. Whereas a centre-back, he's a bit more of a bit more of a quarterback, I suppose. You can sort of see, okay, I can see Lawrence over here. I can see um, Magoma and McKechnie to the left of me. Um, and yeah, ultimately, it allows him to have more time on the ball. And yeah, if, if he can um, if he can be sort of bossed around a bit by by Stuart, Louis and Tucker um, for the rest of the season, get him into shape in terms of that right centre-back role. Yeah, we've got a bit of competition in that position, which, uh, as I mentioned for quite a few episodes and, and years on this podcast, has been a bit, bit of a difficulty with all the injuries and, and uh, things like that. One final point before we get on to the Cheltenham preview, Joe. Um, I think we've alluded to it, but I think the officiating in our games this weekend and English football has been absolutely atrocious. I know in the Premier League, there was the whole um, you know, VAR situation, but I won't touch much on that. And obviously there was the whole Andy Roberts situation, which I think has been blown out of proportion, really. But I think some of the decisions have been atrocious. And I've actually chatted about it with our Cheltenham preview, Ollie, um, in a second. But... My main question for you is, do you reckon that, let's say EFL come out next season and say all referees moving forward will be considered full-time employees and they get, give, they get paid full-time and get full-time resources. Do you reckon that gives much of a difference in terms of the quality of refereeing? I think it does in a way, because let's face it, you know, if you kind of get what you put in, in, in essence. And if being an EFL referee is a part-time job, you know, maybe people aren't going to be watching clips of players during the week or, you know, because people might know that, for instance, um, I remember when we had Chuck Zanike, so often he'd be fouled so many times, but the rest would never give it because they thought that, you know, he was pushing players off him when actually he was just really strong. And I think, it, you know, even look at MPs, that the quality of MP we have in this country is, is it was ridiculously low. And I think Gary Neville said something like, you know, you, you want pe the best people to be running the country, but you've got people that are running the country and then they're on a wage of, say, 80000 a year when you've got business CEOs who can 
people that are actually competent at running big corporations or big business, they'll just to go out and earn hundreds of thousands doing something else. So I think there's got to be an investment. And if the rewards are there and the security is there for people, you will attract better people and people will view it as a, a viable option. Um, it's not as if money's not there, especially at the higher levels. Um, and this is coming from, a, you know, me, uh, me as someone who's watched my team be the beneficiary in two games from, you know, questionable referees. You know, at times we were almost just having a little chuckle because it's like, bloody hell, we got away with one there. And, um, as, you know, sometimes you do ride your luck. And I think as well, one thing I would like to say, um, just in terms of, you know, riding your luck and stuff, I think that a lot, a lot of the time this season, We've not had any luck at all in games, you know, conceding, we've conceded, I don't know how many bloody wonder goals this year, but it seems like every time someone hits it from 30 yards, it's dipped in and things like that. But I think the character in the last three games, especially when we've gone behind, we've stuck at it and we've, we've not, you know, unbeaten in six now and we really have turned a corner. And I know this was a refereeing point, but I just wanted to just say that, you know, I think we really have just in terms of attitude and, um, and, and how the players respond when things aren't going well. I think it's just stepped up another level, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think we've seen... I think I think since Port Vale, you know, we've not seen... Well, we have seen quality at times, but it's, I think the main thing that's got these guys through it and got them to six and beat to run it is that togetherness and, you know, just being there for each other on the pitch and actually playing as a team rather than individuals. Um, so, yeah, no credit to the lads and, you know, hopefully they can finish the job over the next couple of weeks and... Uh, and get us league on status next season, and probably quite quite a few of them there sort of starting roles next season in the squad. But yeah, we'll take a short little break, and then we'll dive into our opposition overview with Ollie, who is a Cheltenham Town fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the latest opposition overview where we look ahead to MK Don's latest opponents. Obviously, two games this week, both Stadium MK, uh, and our focus is on the, the first one on the Saturday uh, against Cheltenham Town and Stadium MK. And we're delighted to welcome onto the podcast uh, Ollie, who is a Cheltenham fan. So, Ollie, how are you, mate? I'm doing very well. Thank you, mate. Thank you for having me on. No worries. Obviously, we, uh, we met, well, I thought it was a lifetime ago now at the PFA Awards, didn't we? Um, for some, some contributions for the PFA. And I think at the time we were we were thinking about maybe getting to the championship and you guys sort of like you know we'll see what happens next season um and how uh, how it all changes in about twelve months time eh but chat to us a bit about um I was chatting the season so far and uh, how you found it I think it's been consistently inconsistent uh, which has been the sort of trending topic this year really um, we're currently in a position which most Cheltenham fans if not all Cheltenham fans maybe the super ambitious ones aren't happy, but we're in a position that, you know, 
we should be thankful for because we've not been at our best this year. I don't think performance wise, but we have managed to grind out the results when we've needed to. So I think the theme of the season really has been, um, there's been spells where we've sort of flirted with the relegation zone. We flirted with the bottom four, but we've sort of always kept a little bit of a distance, particularly we went on a particularly bad run between February and March. Uh, I think we went eight or nine without a win. Uh, and the call, the calls for Wade Elliott, the gaffer, to go were, were sort of getting louder and louder. Um, and to be honest, if the board had pulled the trigger, I don't think there could have been too many complaints all around, albeit he wasn't his first season as a manager. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of pressure on him, especially following in Michael's, uh, Michael Duff's footsteps. But I think, generally speaking, the position that we're in now is one that every Cheltenham fan would have taken pre-season because the goal for Cheltenham, as long as they're in the third division of, of football, is to stay up and um, not not lose a lot of money. So a lot of clubs lose a lot of money and end up going down and then it spirals from there. You know, we've seen Scunthorpe and, and Yeovil uh, this season particularly. Uh, I mean, Scunthorpe are down the, the, in the Vanarama North now, which, you know, seemed inconceivable five or ten years ago and, and Yeovil, who were in the, play, uh, in the championship, excuse me, you know, are now flirting with the Vanarama South. So, yeah, I think generally speaking on the whole, uh, the season, uh, although the performances haven't always been there, the the credit has to go to the squad and the manager for our ability to grind out results when it's mattered. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I'm sure we'll touch upon your, your current rent at the moment, but, you know, you've only lost one out of the last eight and that was against a freak result against Lincoln. Um, but, you know, getting points against the likes of obviously Ipswich at the weekend. Um, of course, beating Peterborough, it's an impressive result. Um, and yeah, it was Sheffield Wednesday draw as well. So, you know, you're, you're clearly a side that um, is capable of doing it, as you mentioned, but maybe not uh, every single every single Saturday in midweek. But chat to us a bit about your gaffer then. Obviously, you mentioned about how he could potentially got the axe, but uh, survived that. And obviously, as, as you know, you could say thrived from it in many ways and got you guys in a pretty stable position heading into the summer. But chat to us about the former Burnley man, Wade Elliott. Yeah, I, I think he he sort of was always going to have a tough time um, following in in Michael Duff's footsteps, who had you know achieved wonders basically on, on such a small budget with Cheltenham, firstly winning the title, which was an amazing achievement in itself, and then keeping the team in in League One at the first at the first uh, time of asking. Um, but he he generally speaking, I think in in recent weeks in, in this sort of run we've put together. Albeit now we are four without a win, so it, it depends. How, it depends how you look at the run, really. I think, I think what, it, it is one loss in eight, but it's also no win in four. So um, the the football has been better. There's been more intensity. Um, it looks like the players. I think against Peterborough, there was a stat that that got pulled out. We had the most pressures in a game uh, in of any team in League One this season. I don't know the exact definition of what a pressure is. I assume it's a short sprint aimed at an opposition player, but that's what I would class a pressure as. But there's obviously something that has changed in, in the style of play, um, which is usually quite a resolute five at the back, um, a holding midfielder. So it's, it's almost essentially six six defensive players who are asked to sort of be be rigid and resolute in, in a, a system at a time. But I think for Wade, he he, sh- he should be proud of what he's achieved this season. Um, I, I don't think the performances have always been there, but to keep it together, because he's been on two very poor runs of form where either time he could have, you know, faced jeopardy for his job. Not that I ever thought the board would sack him just because I think there's obviously level heads in, in any, well, in most, uh, you know, club, uh, club rooms around the, around the league and around, around football. But yeah, I think generally speaking, Wade has done a good job this season. Um, we, we've had injuries as well uh, to contend with. So to be 16th and, 
and virtually, virtually safe. I'll say virtually, not fully safe yet, not mathematically. Um, with with five games to go, um, is, is a very good achievement. Yeah, most definitely. It takes a bit of a scrap down there, and obviously Cheltenham in the next three games are going to have a somewhat of a say in that scrap as who goes down potentially. So that'll be an interesting sort of end of the season for you guys. But in terms of uh, in terms of Saturday, who are, who are some of the key players that stand out? I think there's two obvious ones in there, but I'll let you I'll let you speak about some of the, your key players for Cheltenham. I mean, we can we can talk about Alfie May all day if, if you want to, really, mate. Uh, he's a, <laughs> he, he he's just terrific. I, I I do truly believe that he he's one of the best forwards in the league. Um, if not the best forward in the league, um, I'll stand by that. He has carried this team uh, the last the last two seasons. I don't think there's any sort of real doubt about that. Last season, you know, he was up for player of the year, or whatever, and scored 23. And this year, he's, the run that we've been on has coincided with his best run of form in the season as well, goal scoring wise, and general play. So, you know, Alfie May is indispensable to the team. Um, obviously, it's going to be a, a huge summer um, to see if we can hang on to him. Um, whether we will or not is, is another matter. I, I doubt we will, but we said that last summer um, and he stayed. So that remains to be seen. Uh, Caleb Taylor in defence is probably another one that you've, you have you might have seen um, on loan from West Brom. Tall, really good in the air, really good on the ball as well. Happy to bring out from the back. Probably our, our most talented player on the ball uh, in terms of defence. Um, he's been very good for us. Uh, goalkeeper Luke Southwood. He's kept 15 clean sheets, I believe it is, this year. It might be 14. Um, unknown from Reading. Again, had a shaky start. We, we, we brought in two different keepers this summer, uh, Luke Southwood and Sean McDonald. Sean McDonald was always seen as a backup, but Southwood didn't really start too well. There was worries about his command of area. Um, he's, he's not the tallest goalkeeper. He must be about six foot, but you sort of want, you know, six, six, two, six, three, the tall keepers who look imposing when, you know, when you're on one-on-one -on -one with them. Um, I would say those three players have been fairly key to keeping Cheltenham um, up this year and propelling us up to 16th. Um, trying to think if there's anyone else. We brought in Aidan Keener, uh, our record transfer from the Irish League in, in January. He's made a decent impact. He hasn't scored too many, but him and May have um, got the makings of, of a decent partnership together. Yeah, I remember chatting about Alfie May, um, as mentioned 12 months ago, about how potentially I thought you know, Dons would be interested in him if he did get promoted. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's had a season he's had, so I'm, I'm not too shocked at all, to be honest. He's a fantastic little player. And as, as you said, definitely one of the top top strikers in the league for sure. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of interest in the likes of, you know, your Peter Bruce, Sheffield Wednesdays potentially. Um, but uh, yeah, I suppose it's, it's Wade Elliott's job and the board's job to keep the hands on him once again. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the the the, the main Cheltenham reporter, John Palmer, has, has said there's going to be a real a real battle to keep him. Um, although we do have the option to extend his contract by 12 months. Um, I don't know whether that's much of an option as much as it is a certainty to, to try and at least extend it for 12 months and hope for a, a bigger fee. I think he has got a year left on this deal. Um, so if you can get the extra 12 months, two years on his deal, you know, we, you've got to be hoping for, you know, above maybe 500k from it. It's just so difficult to gauge what's, what sort of value he has because he has obviously the year left on his deal. He's, he's turning 30 this summer. It's probably his last chance um, for a, a move to a, a bigger club, you know, so to speak, um, than, than Cheltenham, which there aren't exactly a shortage of in this league or indeed the league, uh, the league above. But I know Birmingham were interested uh, deadline day in January. I think they submitted a bid at something crazy like 10.45. Um, so I don't think that ever, ever would have got through anyway, um, even if the bid had been accepted, which it wasn't. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I will be gutted if slash when he goes because he's been such a terrific player for us. And I think truly in my lifetime, him and uh, actually your man, Mohamed Issa, are the two most talented strikers I've seen for Cheltenham with my eyes. Yeah, Mo does have a habit of scoring uh, in the big games, which is why we call him Big Game Mo. Um, and yeah, we say he's a fantastic little player, and Mo is. Um, out of interest, what are your thoughts on Taylor Perry this season? I know he's played a lot of games, but he's been on the bench recently. What do you th- what do you reckon to him? Uh, he's been he's been decent. He's been in, in and out of the team really because um, he he had a, a long layoff with injury, uh, came back, and it, it's sort of been hard for him to impose himself on the team. We we, we brought in Ryan Broom. Uh, attacking midfielder who was who was at Peterborough, um, who used to play for Cheltenham before. So he's sort of filled that attacking midfielder role. Um, although it, in more recent times, it's been sort of one sitting midfielder with two more advanced. But you can't really fit Broom and Perry in because they're both too, a little bit too attacking. So there's one who's sort of more box-to-box passing player, um, which which Perry can be. But um, he, he does struggle to impose himself on games at times which to be fair, isn't exactly always his fault because Cheltenham don't exactly, you know, we're not really a possession team. We're not going to have 60% of the ball and passing it around. There are, there are going to be times where midfielders are going to have to graft incredibly diff, uh, incredibly hard uh, to get the ball back and win it. Um, I, I don't think by any means he's a bad player at all. I think I think he's a very solid player, but I think just because the competition for midfield has, has been so you know tight this year, I think there are times where he's had spells out the team Maybe results have been good while he's been out the team and he's just sort of struggled to get back in. But um, no, he, he's definitely a decent player. Um, and, he, you know, on, on his day, he he can be a, a very big factor for the Cheltenham team. Good stuff. And I suppose, how how do you reckon Wade Elliott will set up? I know you mentioned about defence solidarity and the sort of a back six in many ways as opposed to a back five. But do you reckon he'll be a bit of a counter-attacking team and try and catch Don some transition? Yeah, I, I would expect you to have a large amount of the ball. Um, and I think, the best thing, I say this all the time, but Cheltenham's best asset is keeping the game at nil-nil for as long as possible, hoping the opposition's higher and, and trying to catch him on the counter-attack. You know, we, we have uh, Alfie May is deceptively quick, to be fair to him. Um, and we do have players who can hurt on the counter. Ryan Broom, obviously May, our, our wing-backs. Will Ferry is, is another player I should have mentioned earlier on. Uh, left wing-back who's been superb this year. He's struggled with injuries as well, but he's been very good when he's been playing. Um and yeah, I, I think Charlton will just aim to be as resolute as possible. I'm not entirely sure what, what the team will be because made quite a lot of changes for the Ipswich game, which sort of raised eyebrows. Actually, we gave our backup striker a game and we gave we rotated a few in defense as well. So it was a bit of a a, a bit of a strange team selection. Obviously, it, it paid off. We got a, a cracking result, a cracking draw. Um, but I would expect the the spine of the team to sort of remain the same. Um, yeah, just try and be as resolute as possible keep it nil-nil as long as possible, try and hit on the counter-attack. And if we take our chances, we can definitely win. Good stuff. And I suppose, um, obviously, the one of the main topics this Easter weekend that's just gone has been, I know Don's game especially has been officiating. We've had two really bad refereeing um, performances on our end. I mean, it's been our favour, to be fair. Um, obviously, with the red card for... Um, I think it was Morel for Pompey, uh, and then just the absolute just rubbish refereeing at Derby. I mean, it's it's gone further than that. Obviously, with the Premier League having issues and VAR having issues. I mean, how have you how have you found officiating this weekend and uh, to make you a bit worried? Yeah, I think uh, I I do think we sort of make it out to be easier than it is to be an official. To be fair, you know, I I'm always I'm never one to shout 
well, I, I don't ever really shout at a football match, to be honest. I, yeah. I don't, Dan, I definitely don't shout abuse at, at the referee, but you know, there's definitely a, a large handful of, of fans who do. And it's, it's never meant with, you know, bad intent. It's always just heat of the moment, you know, when, when a decision doesn't go your way or you think a decision should have gone your way, you know, it, it's easy in the moment to get caught up and call the ref this or that. Um, but I think generally speaking, the standard of officiating is poor. I think, you know, the main issue is there's not really a way to flip the switch and, and make the officiating good uh, beyond giving them help with, with VAR, which I, I don't ever really see being implemented in League One, possibly the championship. Um, I could see that definitely happening, but in League One, League Two, you know, it, it's a it's going to cost a lot of money to have VAR running uh, at these grounds, particularly with poorer facilities. I know League Two at the moment has, has got quite a lot of smaller teams i say that as a Cheltenham fan we're probably one of the smallest teams in the league as well so you know um i i, I do th- and obviously you know you, you can talk about officiating the prem in the premier league whether it's you know got any better with var i think there's definitely a debate to say that we've become more sort of pernickety and you know trying to pull out the finer decisions these really mega tight offsides no one really knows what handball is anymore um but i think in general league one officiating is definitely poor um but I, I would say it probably does even itself out over the course of the year. Um, so it's it's a really difficult one to judge because there are games where you feel like you've been robbed by the ref, and then you'll have games in you know in the in the future where the refs maybe giving you one or two decisions, you don't say anything, and you don't realize at the time that you know that's sort of the payback for the game that you feel you got robbed in. So yeah, I think it's a really interesting debate and I, I would like to see the impact of of what VAR could do at this level, but I, I don't ever see that happening. Yeah, for me personally, I just like to see full-time officials in this league. Um, I think, you know, the, I don't know if you know, but they're, they're all they're all part-time officials, so it's a second priority yeah. in League One and League Two. Yeah. So if they actually are given like a full-time commitment and full-time wages, then we can might actually see a bit of a difference. Um, yeah. I, said, yes, I, I think, just quick, oh. I think that's definitely one of, the, one of the ways they could flip it, to be fair. You know, it's, if they're turning up on Saturday for two hours, getting a, you know, whatever paycheck and, and not really being fully committed, then, you know, there's obviously commitment issues there. So, yeah, I think that's a, a very fair point. Two more things will let you go. Obviously, I know you're an avid NFL fan like myself and um, Rossi also does the pod with me. Um, who do you fancy for number one pick? I, I'm still on Stroud personally, despite this sort of media sort of hype for Bryce Young. I've flipped. Uh, I'm, you, on Bri- I, I, I'm on Bryce Young now. I think there's too there's too many big names um, who are coming out and saying that it is him. I know Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, the ESPN, have, have both said it's him. Mel Kuyper in his recent mock said it's him. Um, I, I mean, I've always been of the belief. I, I think, to be fair, in, in the Panthers' front office, there's obviously a split. I think yeah. Josh, Mc, Josh McCown, QB's coach, and Frank Reich, their sort of archetype quarterback will be a CJ Stroud at all, you know, uh, in, in the pocket passer. Not to say that Bryce Young isn't terrific in the pocket because he is, but five foot ten, you just sort of think, has Frank Wright ever coached a, a quarterback even below six two, which is I think Stroud's six two, six three, some, uh, something like that. So, yeah, I think I think it will come down to ownership. David Tepper, um, I've seen various sort of articles and reports that they're sort of enamoured with with Young. So, I think. I'm, I've got my next mock. I'm, I'm not allowed to plug, but uh, I've got, <clears throat> got the next mock coming out uh, on Thursday, which uh, I think will definitely have Bryce Young at uh, number one. Yeah, I think for me, I think ultimately, without going too 
uh, away from the substitution overview, I think they will eventually sort of side with the football inside of things and go with Stroud. Um, I just think Bryce Young is a bit too much of a risk, which is silly to say for a player of his quality and this this talent overall. Um, but I just think that they'll go Stroud just about. But I think it's very close, and I I, I, I agree with you in the fact that I think there's a split internally for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think I, I do agree that Stroud is more of the sort of quarterback that you would see associated with Frank Reich and definitely Josh McCown. I know Josh McCown, when they had, I think it was the pro day, he came up to him and said, Stroud and said, you know, we'll find you a basketball court in, in Charlotte or whatever. And when I saw that, I thought, well, how, how can it not be Stroud? And then you see all the conflicting reports, uh, you know. It's crazy, but we'll see. I, I don't think we'll know really until until the night either. I, th- yeah. I think it's going to be one that's kept kept under wraps. I, don't, I well, the last time Panthers were picking one, obviously it was it was Cam Newton in 2011. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be kept very much under wraps until then. Yeah, I'm sure it will. And I think in if, in if the team that wants it, the NFL will make them do it. To be honest, um, cool. Right, final thing before I let you go, Ollie. Score prediction for Saturday. Obviously, it's going to be quite a tight one, I imagine. Um, Dons will probably want to kick off straight from the off and get an early goal, but obviously, you, you'll hope the Robins make it difficult, right? Yeah, I think to me, it sort of feels like a game that Cheltenham probably will lose. Um, but I, I am going to go 1 1. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you scored first. Um, we played terribly for a half and then we sort of flipped the switch at half time and started playing like a proper team, um, as has been the case a lot a lot of times this season. Uh, so I will go one one, but um I, which I think would be a, a fantastic result for Cheltenham, by the way. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if MK Dons were to win. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Kodon Ollie. Before I let you go, um say drop some plugs. Oh, well, you can uh Read my NFL blog at fellfootball.com. Uh, it's also a podcast on Spotify, uh, which is Fell Football. That's F-E-L-L, just for clarity. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at OJ Fell. And um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's about it. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. And uh, best of luck on Saturday and uh, going for the rest of the season. No worries, mate. Yeah, all the best to you too. Thanks again to Ollie for jumping on the podcast and chatting everything Robbins. Um, Joe, before you head off to your pub quiz, give us your thoughts on Cheltenham and a little cheeky score prediction. Um, yeah, thank you. That was really good, really interesting to hear from Ollie there. Um, I think it's well, they're one of them teams where, especially when I saw them earlier in the season, I thought they were actually quite solid defensively, but they had like nothing going forward. And I believe Alfie May may have actually been injured that game. I think he was, was he yeah. I did think he played. And, and I think that just might be the difference. The fact that I think overall they're a team with not many thrills. And I think as well, it just shows what an amazing job Mike Duff, Michael Duff done and has since done a brilliant job at Barnsley as well. Um, the, you know, a club of that size are actually you know, fairly comfortable, largely due to the foundation set by Michael Duff. So, yeah, real fair play to them because you know, their budget is probably nowhere near what ours is, even is. Um, definitely one of the bottom budgets in the league and they've, they've really been competitive at times. Um, but I think what's made them competitive is that X factor in the team and that X factor is Alfie May. And I think that that could be the difference in the game. It's because I think, you know, between the two teams, you know, both of them are you know, about as solid as you can get in terms of, you know, lower half defences. They're not like, neither of us are really leaky at the moment or conceding goals for fun. Um, both got decent keepers. 
players that you know good professionals but i think it's just that moment of magic that could could come down to it so i think it will be another tight game um but i think yeah one nil either way potentially yeah, no, it'll certainly be a close game. And yeah, I think it's the old saying. I think the first goal might win it, to be fair. Um, but yeah, make sure, well, if you're at Stadium K, make sure to check out the Don's Fans Village outside Gate 5. Uh, sounds like there'll be a bunch of street food vans, obviously access to the bar for the early kickoff. Um, and yeah, a bunch of other stuff. So it'd be good to check that out. And um, I think it's about time that Club done some of that, to be fair. So it'd be good to check it out and uh, yeah, look forward to it. But Hopefully I think that's um, just a quick note. I think that has come from you know meetings with the supporters board and things Definitely like that. Definitely has, yeah. 100%. Um, so if there is any things that people like, have a look at the who who's on the supporters board, and you know it's always worth having a chat. Or even to myself or Ollie Charnock on Don's action, you know we do try and relace certain things to the club when we can. And Ollie is on the supporters board, so um, yeah, it, it, the club are have. You know, actually, to be fair to them, especially uh, the season tickets came out recently and um, they're offering some of our perks back. So the, the club are listening. So it is just definitely worth just raising things because it seems that things are being done about it. Yeah, there's no, 100% getting better. Um, and it's definitely small steps, but, you know, I think we've all got to work towards getting that sort of smashed experience back to say NK and hopefully days like Saturday will, uh, and hopefully weather behaves, um, will bring that back. But yeah, hopefully see you Saturday. Um, and until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.